How have you seen this industry evolve, especially on, on compliance and AML matters? One needs to see regulation as a trust builder, right? Not as something sort of as something which is additional. And once we see it in that way, the industry will continue to respond favorably, even beyond the AML where I'm directly involved. How do you manage to enforce against operators who are located in God knows which jurisdiction, operating with God knows which license. How do you enforce against them? Because it's very hard, especially in the internet. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Sigma podcast, where today uh, our guest is Matthew Adjus, the CEO of Diligex, a local Maltese company, which is uh, which has a compliance-based product. Uh, and with Matthew today, we're actually going to be discussing compliance, AML, and how this has evolved over the years. Good afternoon and welcome, Matthew. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Trevor, and good afternoon to all the Sigma followers. Matthew, uh, we jump straight into the subject. Um, yourself, you, you've been in this industry four or five years. Uh, I've known you ever since the beginning. Um, how have you seen this industry evolve, especially on, on compliance and AML matters? I would start off, Trev, because I think it's a very important topic to, 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 to look into. And uh, I'm sure that sort of, you know, when we're looking at the compliance aspect, the regulatory aspect, from our case, uh, our main element is the anti-money laundering um, aspect, as, as you're aware. One might look into the element of compliance as something that may be, let's say, additional or burdensome. Uh, but I think that there has been a culture change from something which is misunderstood to uh, something that needs to become intrinsic and a core important part uh, of, of any business, including when it comes to the gaming industry. I would say, Trev, if you look even beyond the, the years I've been directly involved because of my involvement in, in the AML side of things, we, would, we look at a scenario where the gaming industry has evolved, I would say, drastically fast, I would say, um, starting from non-regulation to having a number of regulated markets to increasing uh, regulation. So the idea, I think, is that you know, one needs to see regulation as a, a trust builder, right? Um, and not as something sort of as something which is additional. And once we see it in that way, um, as long as it's implemented to get the, the, the right benefits, both for business as well for sort of, you know, the, the, the markets in which it's operating, um, I think that, that the industry will continue to respond favorably, even beyond the AML where I'm directly involved. Yeah, um, you, you, you've quite a few points here. You've spoken about culture change. Um, maybe another word would be maturity, that we've seen the, the industry mature um, to a certain level. Um, but doesn't it come at a cost? Possibly. Why? Let's look at Europe and America as markets, which are, well, Europe has changed completely from when we started back in 06. 0506, where you had the .com, now it's .country. You have, I'd say, 20 different realities with 20 different regulatory and technical um, sets of requirements. Don't you think that 
possibly here in Europe, we've set the standard a bit too high in so far that we are actually killing the possibility of having startups based over here and having innovation here in the market. In fact, um, if we see what's going on in the industry in general, um, there is a lot of consolidation. There's a lot mm -hmm. of acquisition that's happening. And this is all, um, I would say, not directly linked and solely linked to the impact of, of compliance or AML compliance. Um, right. But it, it, it definitely play, plays a huge role because um, we've seen it even in other industries. If I am a small player in the industry, you are a small player, um, it, it starts making more sense to, to collaborate, to merge, or that if you are a larger player than I am, to, because the compliance and even, you know, the, there are other elements, not just compliance, so market mm -hmm. acquisition, so, you know, human resources, there are a number of other areas, but definitely compliance does play an important role. I think it's part of, of the natural process for this to happen. Now, going to your question in terms of whether we've set the bar too high, I think that the essential and fundamental question that needs to be asked, mm -hmm. and this is both by the industry, both by the regulators, more importantly, and policymakers, and I would say even by society as large, is, you know, why are we regulating? So if we are regulating simply um, to have a structure in place or to try and deter something, um, then that is, I think, you know, you, you will have you will have um, the results that, that will take you in that direction. If you are trying to regulate uh, for, for the purposes of, you know, setting up a framework, an ecosystem that works and, and that, that there is trust, okay, then that is a different reason. So you will lose some business, definitely, and you will have difficulties. But the issue is that um, you need to see that if there are bad apples, then there will always be bad apples in any industry, because I think there is a bit of an image as well that maybe in the gaming industry, there might be a little bit more in every industry. There are, you know, what yes. we traditionally call cowboys. In fact, in fact, you're coming into my next question like that. Um, talking about bad apples, um, let's say you have operators who are um, targeting still regulated markets, but without licenses. And these operators um, are actually not licensed in those jurisdictions. Um, now, what? how can regulators um, actually control and protect the market, their, their players, so their customers, their citizens, against these operators who you have described as bad apples, who do not go through the same procedures which, let's say, licensed operators are going through. Isn't it creating a, well, or rather, there is no level playing field over there? Yes. Yes, I think that start, you, you need both, okay? You need a proactive approach. And together with that, I think that you also need deterrence, okay? okay. That's... Um, the deterrents very clearly need to be definitely enforcement, um, and we have seen. Uh, how do you? you how do you? I have to interrupt you. How do you? How do you manage to enforce against operators? So again, these bad apples who are located in God knows which jurisdiction 
operating with God knows which license in order not to make any mention over here. Sometimes even using fake copied cloned content of other operators. And how do you enforce against them? Because it's very hard, especially in the internet. So let me let me put two elements together. Going those, I would start off first with the proactive and with the positive approach. What do I mean by a proactive and positive approach? What is the benefit, not the cost of complying? What is the benefit of being regular in the first place? So why should I operate with a license, which may be a very, let's say, basic question because it is legal to do, you know, illegal not to do so in, in the jurisdictions we're referring to. But there are, you know, what is the benefit to, to me to operate? And I need to enhance that. What is the value? So okay. if I have um, in our own experience when it comes to AML and, you know, tools of, of AML that we have with even when looking at uh, clients and how different setups operate. One may say, listen, you know, it's something that if I am receiving, you know, if I have to carry out a, a risk assessment on my customers individually, okay. Um, this is going to be a very difficult task. It's very laborious. It's, it's this is going to be very manual, even if I implement systems, you know, you still in this day and age with, yes, there's AI and there's a lot of, of, of advancements coming in, but you still need to review. You still need to take responsibility um, for all that. However, it is not a matter of, let's say, replacing people or just diminishing costs. It is a matter of understanding that what you are doing, you are focusing exactly where you should be focusing. So um, my idea is that if I am placing um, uh, my focus on 100 customers, 100 players, right, and doing a little bit on each one, that may mean that I'm going to take so much hours, so much effort, so mm -hmm. much customers potentially being lost because they don't want to wait through the onboarding system. Okay, so I appreciate all, all of that. Rather than focusing that same energy, same time, not more than that, potentially less on those five customers who are my high risk customers and start thinking whether does it make sense? So what is my my return on investment on these five customers? Are these five high risk customers all high value customers or am I you know, exposing my 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 license, my business? Mm -hmm. to five high-risk customers in this simple example who are not really generating so much, or is it only one of them? So then I can attune my policies. I can attune what I do as a business tool. So compliance in that sense becomes a business tool. So if we start looking at it in this way, if we start making it attractive to someone to get a license, to someone to get a license and comply, to have a number of incentives. I'm not going to go into myself into what the incentives can be, but we've seen even examples from different jurisdictions um, that you would have an incentive. You know, there is a reason why I want to get a license, not okay. just pride and reputation, but players are not going to, 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 to come to me if I am unregulated. That we think we're going to completely eradicate all the cowboys and all the bad apples. Um, I think it's something maybe, you know, that we should leave for another life um, um, and that will not happen in any industry and in, in anything in life, not just in, 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 in this operation. But I believe that if we see a license, if we see uh, an AML um, setup, if we see the fact that I am protecting my players from, from a responsible gaming point of view, from, from an anti-money laundering, from a fraud point of view, I am building trust. That is all I'm doing. And trust mm -hmm. becomes 
a currency. I'm saying this in a good way, not with a negative connotation. So that is why I think that, you know, the, the bad apples, if we have a system that is managed well, that is sustainable, and that makes sense for what it is set out to achieve, I think that, we, you know, there, there will be enough deterrence for, they will end up potentially not having enough players, and it doesn't make sense to go underground, let's put it that way. I want to take uh, basically part of what you've just said. You've spoken about trust, how important trust is. And um, there's one, one particular element I'd like to touch on. Um, first off, uh, as we speak, the in Curacao, one of the leading regulators from a license number point of view, is going through an extensive exercise of changing its legislation in order to, uh, let's say, increase the trust in the jurisdiction and also enhance the reputation. As a side note, I'd also like to, to, to remind our viewers that between the 25th and the 28th of September, Sigma shall be hosting Sigma Americas in Curaçao. And this event is being uh, held in collaboration with the Minister of Finance of Curaçao. Uh, you can access the Sigma uh, World website in order to learn more about this event. But coming back, back to Kurasa, when you see a regulator, which, which let's say is evolving, as we spoke about in the beginning, but also adapting to the realities of today. Um, to me, that is a signal of, listen, we want to be trusted. We want to be respected in this, uh, in this new, uh, let's say, manner in which we regulate yourself, your service provider in, in the industry. How do you view that from a from a service provider point of view? So I, I definitely welcome something like this. And I think that the industry should also welcome this. Um, and I'm not saying this because, you know, with a vested interest, so to speak, because, you know, that if there are more compliance and AML requirements, because there are enough other jurisdictions and other, you know, players in the field where, where, where we could work. I'm saying this in general. Why? Because the more regulation that there is in the sense that not over-regulation, I'm talking about knowing what the parameters are, agreeing what the parameters are, and even if you know the standards are not going to be as high as any other jurisdiction, but you know what this specific regulation uh, is, is meant to achieve, not, not putting an image that it's meant to achieve something higher or lower. So I, I would definitely welcome that. What we need to see is that it is being done for the correct intentions. And I'm not implying in any way about the Curacao experience or I'm saying in general, okay? So in any okay. case, so it is to raise the level, to raise the bar of, the, of, of trust, okay? To know that if I have a license from wherever jurisdiction, this license represents what? This represents a license where, um, you know, they take uh, fraud very seriously. So if that is something that is, you know, a huge risk to my business, then that is an element where I want to be associated with. I want to have high standards. If it is a jurisdiction where, I don't know, you know, responsible gaming. So, I, you know, it is an industry where, where, where I think, you know, it's an entertainment industry. It's an industry where, you know, we need to make sure that there are regulated ways and positive ways how to have people uh, being able to enjoy themselves and have, have you know, new means of, of, of such entertainment. But doing it in a way that, you know, when it comes to, to, to the, the negative 
sites associated to, to gaming, we have sort of the, the player protection, we have the, the responsible game. So if I, that is the ethos of my, of, of what I want to bring to the table, then I want to be associated with such a jurisdiction. And I think that is how we need to see it. Um, myself, looking at um, looking at Malta as a jurisdiction, for instance, because ob obviously we are um, Malta-based originally, and therefore um, we do have uh, our widest uh, experience from the experience we have is related to, 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 to setups um, which are Malta-based. Um, of course, it is it is even in this in this element and in this sense when you start looking even at a number of regulatory um, enforcements or or directives that have been issued, you start seeing certain elements that because this company you know received a fine, the other company is and again not just in Malta, but for instance one of the main elements which is not in place is a customer risk assessment, for instance, okay, or it is not adequate, okay, in certain mm -hmm. in certain setups. Uh, not as a jurisdiction, but in, in the findings, okay. I'm saying. Um, so if the customer risk assessment is not in place, this is not about seeing it because Malta, you know, in line with EU directives and all that, it looks into the risk of the customers. And that's not the purpose why this is happening. It is about monitoring your, 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 your business, monitoring your players, you know, knowing where your risks are and knowing whether, um, you know, from a business risk assessment point of view, is it something that I want Trevor to be a player in my, in my? I am aware of Trevor, for example, being a player in my in my customer base, and these are the requirements I need to carry out. But if I'm not going to risk assess my customers, how can I have controls in place to start off? So, so how how easy or how difficult is it for you to convince companies which are let's say licensed in motor, licensed in other jurisdictions to? To a certain extent, because if you're going to start limiting players, that might affect the bottom line. So how how easy or how difficult or how has the thought evolved with time to convince operators that possibly maintaining a balance between profit and compliance is actually the best way forward? Okay, so... Um, I would say, if I had to be honest, I wish it was a bit easier. Let's be let's be frank, okay? Um, <laughs> but, At least you're uh, honest. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, no, but uh, joking aside. So, if we look at if we look at the gaming industry, uh, even in comparison with other industries, it, it first of all it poses certain other complexities when it comes to manage uh, such elements. Okay, you have such more as. Of you have uh, transnational, uh, you know, and potentially cross-border payments um, going into it. You know, when someone is going into a gaming relationship as a customer, you're doing it from an entertainment point of view. You're not doing it because you have the aim. So you might be not so aware of why you were, you may be at a point be asked for for some information. You know, I'm just signing up, you know, and I'm going just going to have some some fun, you know, I'm not doing something to enter into a property transaction or to set up a bank account. There are a number of different um, complexities. Apart from that, in, from certain elements, we need to understand that you use the word maturity mm -hmm. uh, of the sector. I think that it is one of the industries when it comes to gaming, where in comparison to the financial services sector, for example, and the banking sector, mm -hmm. it is one which when it comes to regulations, it is one of the elements or one of the sectors that have been uh, most recent. So 
we have well had a lot of industry players. We've had a lot of companies, big names as well, operating in an ecosystem which was not previously regulated and then gradually started becoming regulated. And now we're seeing a lot of jurisdictions in the past few years becoming regulated, even from an NAML um, perspective where uh, they have been now involved in more recent years than if you look at, for example, the banking industry. And to be honest with you, use the word maturity. And I think that's why I'm saying um, from a, if you had to put it on a scale, I think from a maturity per, um, process, it had to happen in a in a shorter time frame, and it did happen in a shorter time frame. Maybe it did not has not reached, and it does not need to reach a maturity um, in comparison with certain other industries. Um, so going back to why uh, and how you manage sort of to, to to convince, I think essentially, Trev, it is about not seeing this as because of the compliance and because of the requirement. I think it is about understanding the business what the business wants to achieve and essentially rather than ourselves, um, you know, setting out because we're here to provide an AML system or an AML advisory. I think we're here to understand, listen, what are your business processes? What are the challenges that you have? You know, what, what does your business want to achieve? If you are a player, an industry player, I mean, where, you know, you don't care about knowing about who your players are, where the money is coming from, then I don't think you should be operating in certain jurisdictions with certain licenses. Mm -hmm. You know, perhaps we shouldn't. But, but this ties in with, with my previous point. You have these sort of operators and they still carry on targeting jurisdictions which require a license without actually having a license. This was my point on... Yes. How how do you enforce against them? Maybe one should be looking at alternative, not just punitive manners, but looking at commercial, commercial games yes. of doing it. So, like for example, um, content providers which are providing the content. But even there, it becomes awkward because I, having worked for for B two Bs for so long, um, it's not easy because sometimes the actual act, people actually just blatantly copy the, the the content which you are you are putting out there so yes it's not as hard it's not as easy as as people no. imagine it's not and in, in this example that 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 you're you're setting out in the b2b that is an element where if you have the serious players um industry players right um from the b2b perspective and the providers from a b2b perspective if the licenses, and that is why it has to become, and that's why, you know, when you mentioned the Curacao case, that's why it's important to have a level playing field. And that's why to, it's important to set the standard higher as we go along. Why? Because essentially, if you have a number of jurisdictions that are all looking forward to raise the bar, mm -hmm. then you are going to end up with a situation where you have the, the B2Bs of this world that in order, it, it will not pay for them to collaborate with someone who's trying to be, you know, that, 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 you know, cowboy you're mentioning, mm -hmm. it will not pay because they have so many clients, so much to lose. It's not just about, you know, ethically and whatever. We're just here talking about reputationally, business-wise, commercially, you know, all the disruption, if there's an issue, you know, and the, all the legal risks, all the, the commercial risks and all that. So it will not pay for high quality stand, standard B2Bs to be operating and supporting such setups. And if that bar is then set, then it will it has to become difficult enough 
for those that are, you know, in the in the underground sector, in the black sector, let's put it that way, um, not to not to be able to reach um, uh, that part where where the benefits of being part of the of the of the regulated ecosystem, you know, you can get them. If then you have player uh, industry players like such as B2Bs that are allowing this to happen, then that is defeating the scope and it sinks the whole effort, right? And that is where individual companies start saying, you know, uh, it doesn't mm -hmm. really pay off for me um, to, 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 you know, to, to support. But even if you see it from, from a business risk point of view, outside of the AML risks of the compliance risk, you know, from continuity, legal risks, it does not make sense because you should be focusing on how you're going to grow your business, on how you're going to issue new games, how you're going to get new licenses to get into new jurisdictions and not get, you know, all the time swayed by issues which are regulatory matters uh, or specific risks for no reason. And then, you know, I think that um, uh, it, it, it will automatically sort of balance out. Unfortunately, we only have two minutes left, Matt. <laughs> so just I'll try and be as quick as I can. Um, from your perspective, if you had to have a crystal ball in your hand, where do you see the industry heading on an AML, on a regulation point of view? Do you think that we will actually see a continued growth in requirements or will we see, let's say, a normalization with a possibility of maybe at a European level finding some level of well, I'll use the word harmonization, even though it's not, not appreciated by too many people. Yes. Um, I think that at first we will not get to, to you know, in the immediate, um, we need some time first um, for, for these, these matters to, to go through. I think that at a point, however, and I think it will, it will take, you know, a few years, it won't mm -hmm. be in the next two years or so, because I think that there will each be, have their own regulations and all the requirements and everyone sort of needs to set their own mark in line with what they think that there is best for the jurisdiction. But at a point, we will get to a point as is happening in other industries, um, that if you are looking at, um, you know, at, at how things will operate to achieve what you want to achieve, even at an anti-money laundering point of view, um, even at an EU level today, um, you know, so we're talking of a regulation, not a directive. We're talking of setting up an AML authority. Mm -hmm. um, and this should not replace the jurisdictional powers, but it should complement. And there should be streamlining because if not, you know, you're going to have seven licenses. All of them are trying to achieve, you know, an identification. Yeah, and they're all trying to achieve the same goal, but with different results. Yes, and all with different and all with different means. Yeah. As a as a last point on this, I think that we mentioned the word trust, and I think it's key. And I think that we need to we need to look at this even when you are cooperating with partners, when you are cooperating with suppliers, with affiliates. I think that, you know, knowing correctly who you are dealing with, you know, what's behind the company, con uh, conducting even third party checks on, on what is going on, I think is core and key because that is the only way how sort of we can use trust as a common currency in, in a regulated field to see the industry grow rather than sort of be constrained by, by, by requirements. Matthew, thank you so much um, for, for agreeing to be a guest on the show. Uh, I also thank the, the viewers and listeners of, of the podcast. And I remind you that we will be uh, having 
more podcasts in the coming weeks and days. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It was lovely. Thank you.